So last week, we read about Levi, who was later renamed Matthew by Jesus. He was a a tax collector. And when Jesus called to Levi, it says Levi got up from his tax booth, left everything, and followed Jesus. That's saying a lot in a little little sentence. He got up from his tax booth, what he was doing, his job, his livelihood, left everything, and followed Jesus. And Levi was so excited about his new life in Christ, he threw this big banquet uh, for all of his fellow tax collectors and friends, most of whom were people that would have been considered sinners by people in society, were his, were his community, and they did this banquet in honor of Jesus. And all these sinners and tax collectors had a meal with Jesus, which is quite an, quite an amazing thing, quite a statement too. Because to have a meal with somebody in the ancient world was to have deep, deep fellowship with them. It's break, breaking bread, you know? Even more so than in, in our day. Uh, the hospitality culture was strong. So Levi wanted his friends to know about Jesus because Jesus came up to him and had loved on him. He figured that Jesus would uh, reach out to them as well, which he did. So the, the religious people of Jesus' day, you know, the, the scribes, the Pharisees, the tax collectors, uh, teachers of the law, they, they were standing on the outside of the door of Levi's house, uh, disgusted at the, what was happening in the house because Jesus was eating with people that were tax collectors, and no rabbi should ever be hanging out with those people. Um, and the, 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 the teachers of the law said to Jesus' disciples at the outside of the door of Matthew's house, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And then Jesus tells them this parable. You cannot put new wine into old wineskins. We talked about this last week, but d- during the fermentation process, new wine that's being made uh, gives off a lot of gases when it's, when it's fermenting. So if you want to succeed in making wine, you have to put new wine that's fermenting into new wineskins because uh, the flexible, flexible wineskins that were made of animal skin uh, could then stretch with the expansion of the gases of the wine that's being made, and the batch will be a success. If someone were to instead take that new wine that's from beginning to ferment and put it into old wineskins, old, already used wineskins, Skins that had already been stretched as far as they could go by other fermentation processes and were perhaps even brittle, that when the new wine gets poured into these old wineskins and it begins to ferment, it will burst those wineskins and the wine will be lost completely. And the point that Jesus was making to his audience, to, to these religious folks, was, was clear. He's drawing a contrast between Levi and Levi getting up, leaving everything and following Jesus, and the Pharisees who get up and follow Jesus around and complain about everything he does. He's saying, you obviously can't mix the new work of God that I'm doing with the old vessels. You can't mix the old and the new. Now, when someone is in Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. It's a metamorphosis of that person. And the Pharisees were not willing to leave behind their, their status, their place in society, their wealth, their respect, and associate with sinners. They might have associated with Jesus if Jesus didn't associate with sinners. But unfortunately, Jesus associated with sinners because Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Uh, so the Pharisees could not, you know, they did whatever the opposite was of what Levi did. They were, they were rigid wineskins. Last week, we learned that, that the new wine that Jesus talks about is the new work of the Spirit that he is pouring out and that he's desiring to do in the lives of his followers. And this is the work that he wants to do in people like, like Levi and people like you and me as well, who are also sinners in need of a savior. Or religious people in need of being knocked down from our pedestal and being brought to humility. You know, the work of Jesus is, is powerful. 
You know, it's God's presence and power in the, in the, new, the new wine of Jesus that he pours out. And, uh, and like that wine that's fermenting in the wineskins, it's, it's got some oomph to it. It's got some, some power. It's, got some, it's letting off some, some dynamic energy. And if we are not flexible to grow with Jesus, if we hold on to our old ways, you know, we might pop, and then we don't get to enjoy the new work of Christ. Yeah, we'll just pop. I told you last week about my exploding uh, fermentation uh, problems in the past I've had when we were making uh, different fermented drinks like uh, kefir water and all that kind of stuff in our house, in our science experiment house. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you know, they, they loved the old wine. They loved the Old Testament law. They loved to te- be teachers in society of the law of Moses. And they hated the new thing that Jesus was doing, which was going around to seek and save the lost people. They did not like that. They weren't open to it. And because they loved the old wine, they said, you know, the old is better. I don't want anything to do with the new. But there was a new thing that Jesus was doing among his people. And I had to... Um, This is, this is a, a, a glimpse of the new wine that Jesus is giving to his people in, in Jeremiah 31. Talking about the new covenant that's coming in Christ. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant. But I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their, their minds. Think, think new wine. I will put my law in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. No longer will they, they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. So this is the new wine. It's the, the Pharisees and the scribes and, and, the, and the teachers of the law had an external law that was guiding them in the Old Testament covenant, the good, the good law of God. But Jesus is, wanting to, has, is talking about a time that's coming and has indeed come with Christ where all that stuff gets put inside of people. No longer external, but internal. When the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost in Acts 2, when the Spirit comes and fills uh, Jesus' disciples and all the people in the upper room, as Jesus said that it would, another Old Testament prophecy from Joel was fulfilled. It's Acts 2, 15 to 21. And it's, it's interesting to me that all, all the parts of the sermon today have to do with grapes, or wine. It's kind of, kind of interesting how this all is connected. In Acts 2.14, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. These people that have been filled with the Spirit. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of in the prophet Joel. 
In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, this is the, the new wine pouring out on these disciples of Jesus. The same new wine that the Pharisees and teachers of the law could not receive because they were not flexible. Uh, they loved the old wine better. The new was not good to them. But the work that Jesus wanted to do in his followers in our, then is the same work that he wants to do uh, in us. The same work that he did in Levi and his friends, in the apostles and the followers of Jesus at, uh, in Acts, at Pentecost. It's the same work that he wants to do in us. There is a power from God's Holy Spirit that he wants to pour into our lives so that we can know God. We won't have to teach each other saying know God because we'll all know him. We'll have his law written on our hearts that we will be filled with the Spirit of Christ. And if you look at John 14, you know, Jesus talks about the Spirit being given to each person who will believe in him. He'll be led, guided, taught, um, helped, comforted, uh, powerfully, specifically led in their lives. That's the work of the Holy Spirit of Jesus. But the, the work that Jesus wanted to do in these, these apostles and acts and in, uh, and in Levi and his tax collector, sinner friends, is the same work that he wants to do in us today, to pour in the new wine into the, hopefully, new wineskins. If we, want, if we are to be a part of the powerful work that Jesus is wanting to do in our day, in our place, in our time, in history, a time when no one has ever followed Jesus, I mean, no one's ever followed Jesus past today. It's all new coming up, up in the future. Uh, if we really want to follow him powerfully, then we need to make sure we are flexible, fresh wineskins that can handle the presence and power of Christ. Because the, the fact is that Jesus is going to pour out on all people who seek after his face. And people that are holding on to their sin or holding on to their religion of the past, they're in danger of bursting open because they, they, they're very inflexible. But to those who are willing to just leave it all behind and surrender to Jesus and say, I'll follow you, the work is going to stretch us, it's going to be powerful, it's going to ferment within us, it's going to be good wine, not just for blessing us in our community, but for blessing our world. This is what God wants to do in us. You know, the principle has not changed. Jesus has new wine for new wineskins in the 21st century. And Jesus desires that his spirit, you know, you know, the spirit of a person is everything that characterizes their thinking, feeling, and doing, the center of who they are, the, the fulcrum from which their entire life turns. You know, Jesus' spirit, his spirit, all that he is, would be inside each of us, followers of Jesus. You can see why this would require flexibility. That we would be empowered, that we grow in this work that Jesus is doing in us. So I believe, I definitely believe that Jesus is preparing us to be like new wineskins that can be filled with new wine. But I think in order to receive this work, we need to take hold of some of the tools that Jesus has given to us to do that. And that's what this next season in our church life is going to be all about. Um, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be beginning our all-church study of this book, God in My Everything, by Ken Shigematsu. Um, there are small groups forming. I got all the, 
the final details today, so I'll be able to put those signups online. Uh, we are going to be uh, encouraging everyone to join in this study. Uh, whether you're in a small group or not, we encourage you to join a small group, but the whole church is going to be reading this book as well. There's going to be um, assigned readings so you can kind of follow along with the calendar and have this read. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be having this book for sale at the church next week for 10 bucks. We got the price down 7 bucks by buying them in bulk. Um, and we'll have a reading plan printed out and a bookmark for each of the books. And we're going to make our way through this book as fall moves forward. Because the Holy Spirit really just put this on my heart um, in the spring, that we are to go through this together. Because this book is all about becoming people that are flexible to the work that Jesus wants to do in our lives. To be new wineskins that can grow with the new work that Jesus wants to do. So this book is about how to, how to practically, biblically, enjoy a life with God. To enjoy God in every part of your life. To receive all of the presence and power that Jesus wants to give us. To experience God in everything. Not just on the mountaintops where we meet with God in a, in a powerful worship service or a concert or a Bible study or a sermon. Not in the valleys where we were kind of saying, God, have mercy on me, everything's falling apart around me. But to meet him in every part of our life. All of the seasons of our life. Whether things are going good, whether things are going badly. To meet Jesus. Uh, perhaps even in the mundane. In Philippians 4, 4 to 9, we're, we're encouraged in this way. Uh, I was reading this this morning as just part of my regular Bible reading. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now what would it be like for each of us as individuals, for our households, for our church body here at New Life, if we were aware of God's presence, that God, our eyes were opened to see his presence with us. We were aware of his nearness, so aware of it that we didn't have to, we didn't feel like we needed to worry when, when things happened. It says in, that, in Philippians 4, let your gentleness be known to all, the Lord is near. Now, we can be sort of gentle. We can be sort of chilled out and trusting in posture because we, uh, we, we are released from, from fear because of the presence of God with us, even through very difficult, difficult circumstances. And we can, because God is near, because we've taken this truth to heart that God is near, our gentleness can be known to all. We can be soft. We can be relaxed, at peace, uh, not needing to defend ourselves all the time. Not needing to critique everyone all the time. Not needing to, to, to constantly be up and, you know, um, caffeinated up and just kind of feeling anxious. But to be at peace because the presence of God is with us no matter what. To know in our deepest heart that God is with us and near us. And that God is not against us, but for us. And that God wants to help us in our lives. Now if we believe that, we would do what Philippians 4 says. We would pray all the time about everything that happens. We would. Whether good or bad, because his presence is near and drawing us to do that. So we, can't, we don't have to be frantic or anxious, but, but even gentle in spirit, in peace, because the Lord is near. Now this is something that can be cultivated, the sense of God's presence. As new wineskins, we have, it says in one of our worship songs, we have a peace that makes no sense, a peace that surpasses understanding from Philippians 4. It might not make sense to us. It might not make sense to others, the peace we have. Um, it transcends our understanding. 
But this powerful peace that God brings by his spirit, according to Philippians 4, guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. That's an awesome vision for a life with God, to be guarded by the very presence of God with us from anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, insecurity, to have a peace that makes no sense given our circumstances because we know that the Lord is near. We can be gentle to all because we know the Lord is near and the Lord is with us. You know, God desires to pour new wine into new wineskins. Old and new do not mix well. Whether that be sin or religion, those things just need to be left behind. Sometimes we need to let go of our previous experiences with God to take hold of the next thing that God has for us. God is asking us through this study to learn to abide in Christ. Because the whole, the, whole, the whole vision of this study comes from the John 15 where it says to abide in Jesus. Um, to learn to abide in Jesus, to, to get up from our tax booth, leave everything and follow him and be these new wineskins for Jesus. We're going to take a little time to, to meditate on a scripture in John 15. But the central verse that we're, we are meditating on in our study is John 15, which is one of the last interactions Jesus has with his disciples before he goes to the cross. So we're going to do a, a, a spiritual reading exercise as we meditate on the word of God here. Um, but I believe God wants to awaken in us a desire, a longing for more of God during this season. If I could, talk, if, if I could describe my prayers this past week, spending time with God, I felt like I had my ear up to a, um, a beehive or a honeycomb or something. I could hear the, I could hear the energy of the bees, that, that there's, a, there's a power from God that God wants to pour into us and a longing for more of him. And, um, you know, in, in this past year, through just simply making some adjustments in my life, through getting into the Word, getting into the Bible, through, through worship and prayer and meditation, like, God is just doing amazing things in my life. And I believe this is what God wants to do for everyone that's part of this church. So we're going to do a, a prayerful reading of John 15 together. And the way we're going to do this is uh, we're going to be praying that God would speak to us. And I'm going to read through this passage together. And I want you to listen for the words and phrases that kind of pop out to you as you listen to this passage. Maybe you need to close your eyes. Maybe you need to take notes. Maybe you need to look at the scripture that's going to be on the screen or in your Bible. I want you to be listening to this scripture again as if you're hearing it for the first time. So what we're going to be doing is savoring these words as Jesus' words to us today. There's a power in the words of Jesus. And, uh, and we're going to see how God wants to pour, um, pour his new wine into us through this passage. So don't be too analytical. Just hear the words when we first read it. See what God highlights to you as we read it. And remember those things as we move forward. After that, we're going to meditate on those words, and then we're going to pray them back to the Lord. So first, I'm going to read this for you a couple times. And I want you to be listening to Jesus' word for you this morning.
I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so they will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be be in you, that your joy may be made complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. And read this out again. Um, be listening for the words, the phrases, or images that stand out to you that God is speaking to you. And what inspires you, what consoles you, what convicts you. Listen to these words from Jesus to you this morning. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. 
Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you, so that you will might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. We're going to move on to a time of of meditating on the word. Uh, In his book, Ken Shigematsu uh, talks about how the word for meditate in the Bible is hagah, which means to chew on the word, to really wrestle with the word, to, to hold the word before God in prayer. And so this is a time to meditate on the word, to, to, to take the word, phrase, image, picture that Jesus has shown you and meditate on its meaning for you. Take some time to meditate on the scripture. next step in our reading process is to, to compose a prayer to God in your heart based on what he's saying to you from this passage. So I invite you to pray back these words to God. Now let's take a moment of silence before the Lord, having read his word, heard from him, 
and pray these words back to God. Father God, is there anything that you want to speak to your children right now? I pray that you would reveal yourself to each person here. As we sit silently in your presence, we are still, we heed the words of the psalmist that we be still and know that you are God. Father, we lift up all this to you that you've been doing in our lives through this passage, through this contemplation and prayer. We lift it all back up to you, God. We pray that you would pour your new wine into our lives, that we would be aware of your presence, be attuned to your work in our lives, and we learn to abide in you. Thank you for meeting us here, God as your church. This is a, a, simple, a simple spiritual practice that I probably didn't even lead that well. It could be much better even. But these are, these are practices where the power of God flows down into the people that are seeking after him. Um, spending time meditating on scripture, just reading scripture, praying, praying with others, um, having Sabbath and fasting. These are places where we abide in Jesus and we end up bearing fruit for him. John 15 talks about this idea of, of, of bearing fruit. Um, and, the, and the key to bearing fruit is to remain in Jesus. It's not to try harder to do better, to be a better Christian, frantically hoping to hit the target somewhere, if not the bullseye, somewhere on the target, but to simply rest in the presence of Jesus. And there's a powerful truth in John 15 that by simply remaining in Jesus, by obeying his commands, trusting him, um, that we begin bearing fruit. We begin bearing fruit. Because when we, when we put ourselves in the position to receive from Jesus um, through these kind of disciplines and practices, interacting with his word and prayer and with the body, um, he, he grows fruit in us that will last, that couldn't be grown from human effort. Um, so the, the whole idea, as with, as with a grape vineyard, is to stay in the sunlight uh, where Jesus is. To, to have practices and rhythms of our life with God that keep us 
in Jesus' presence on a regular basis, not just during our quiet times or during our church time, but in every time, every part of our life. This meeting Jesus has with his disciples in John 15, it's, it's uh, the last night alone that Jesus has with them. He's promised them in John 14 that he's sending the Spirit, a counselor, the helper, who will fill them and teach them, fulfilling all those passages we read in Jeremiah and Joel. In this last night alone, uh, Jesus tells them what is going to be most important for them in the road ahead. And this is something that um, we, we can all take with us today. And that's that um, we must abide in Christ. We must abide in Christ. Jesus says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. And you, you are branches coming out of my true vine. The language kind of suggests in the original language that we're talking about, Jesus saying, I am a vineyard. And my father is the vine dresser. And the branches of the vines coming out of my vineyard. The vine grows you know, from the soil upwards. It goes out and tries to find the sunlight. That's what, that's what plants do. So they can produce fruit. And Jesus tells his followers that he alone, abiding in him alone, is the source of their sustenance as believers. Jesus says, I am the fulfillment of, of this whole picture of a vineyard that's been, that God's been talking about for years in the Old Testament prophets, that his, his people are his vineyard, the, the garden of his delights. I am the fulfillment of this. And so the time has come that, that now you must remain in my vineyard, abide in my vineyard, so that you can bear fruit. And I think that the, the encouragement is, abide in me at all costs. Whatever it costs you to, to abide in me, abide in me. Like Levi got up and left his tax booth to follow Jesus. Remain in me. Abide in me. The Greek word for abide is M-E-N-O, meno. And it's said uh, th 11 times in this passage. It says, we are, as the branches are to abide, or meno, or remain in Jesus, to receive and absorb and collect the, the powerful work that God is passing through his vineyard to us. That we can inhabit, we can dwell, we can remain, linger. These are all different ways to say this word meno. Inhabit, dwell, stay, remain, linger, continue, stand fast, hang on. You know, the whole idea in this passage is to stay connected to Jesus. Stay connected to Jesus' vineyard. Remain in that relationship with him. Be faithful to the Lord. Depend on the vine dresser's nurture. And draw from the energy of Jesus. Paul said, the energy of Christ that is so powerfully at work within me. That's what it's talking about here. To abide in Jesus and receive his energy. Think about the, the amount of, of, of energy and growth that comes from a vineyard. And for the second that that branch is chopped off, that's the second that the branch begins to die, which is what Jesus says. So stay in the sun. Stay with Jesus. You know, abiding is this part of faith part of our belief that is ongoing trust and dependence through all the times of life. Um, abiding can be intimate prayer and conversation with Jesus. Um, 
We can hear from God. We can become gentle as we realize the Lord is near. That the Lord is with us. And in our, in our passage, we're told to remain in Christ's love, obey Christ's commands, and love one another. And the idea, the amazing thing that Jesus draws from all of those ideas of abiding is that when we do these things, we're not called servants anymore. We're called friends. Imagine that. Abiding in, in the vineyard of Jesus, you get to be a friend of Jesus. Now we abide when we, when we pray together like we, like we prayed today. When we pray on our own with Jesus. When we read scripture together like we did today or we read scripture on our own. There's power in that. And when we meet together, when we worship together, when we take the communion table together, when we have potluck together or a small group together, these are ways that we abide in Christ. Because really, all of us are just vine branches coming out of the God's vineyard. We abide to, next to each other as we abide in Christ. And Jesus warns us, if we choose not to abide in Jesus, we will wither away. Be lifted up by the vine dresser and tossed out of the vineyard. Yeah. God is always working in Jesus' vineyard to lift certain branches up to receive the sunlight of God. And then to those who are cutting themselves off from the vineyard, throwing those away to make room for more growth. That's what God does. And Jesus doesn't say that we're going to grow a bunch of grapes as a result of being in this vineyard. He says, we're going to bear fruit. It's just a much more robust kind of word. Expand and grow fruit that will last. Learn to uh, pray, to glorify God in all that you do, become witnesses to Christ, to find pleasure in God. And that's what abiding is all about. Um, one of the catechisms of the Christian church has said, what's the, what's the chief purpose of man? And the catechism says to, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's what abiding is all about. You know, the fruit is not something we earn. That's a gift that we get from abiding. If you think about the parable we did of the farmer, he, he plants his crop, and then the next day there's, there's plants coming out, and it says the farmer doesn't even know how this happened. It happened while he was sleeping. You know, the plants abide, abided in the soil and the vineyard, and they grew without his help. And likewise... When we abide in Christ, when we allow, uh, we stay connected to the vineyard and allow God, the vine dresser, to expose us to Jesus, you know, we, we bear fruit. We just start bearing fruit, fruit that will last. And it's not an anxious situation. It's not a worried situation. It's, it's a gentle, still small, quiet, enticing, powerful uh, thing that's at work in believers in Christ. So my hope is as we as we come into these uh, these next months as a church, you know that some of the things that God's been teaching me and some of, maybe some of the ways that you have been interacting with God in your personal walk with Him that these things are going to be growing. That together we're going to be drawing near to Jesus, learning to abide in Him as individuals and as a church body. You know that's my hope. You know how do we develop spiritual practices uh, from the Bible? That form, uh, that form this trellis that brings us into the sunlight where we find the work of Jesus, where we start to bear fruit without even trying because we're just abiding in Jesus. And I know, I know that I know that I know that that is exactly what God wants to do in the coming season. 
So be, be, next week we'll have these books for sale. We'll be going through them as a church and praying. We're going to learn about, uh, about Sabbath, about resting. We're going to learn about hearing from God in Scripture and sacred reading. We're going to learn about the power of friendship and community. Um, so many different rhythms that bring us into the sunlight of Jesus and allow us to become people that bear fruit. But it all starts with being the kind of person that is willing to leave everything. Both our life of sin and our life of, of uh, that we might be proud of, our religious life. And get up and follow Jesus. So as the worship team comes forward, we're going to sing that song one more time, more like Jesus. But Father, I pray that the word that you have spoken to your church today in their hearts, through John 15, that this word would resound in their lives, God. We affirm the truth that apart from you, we can do nothing. Meaning if we are not abiding in you, but we are having activity in our lives, that, that really means nothing. We really... We want to be a people that abide in you and bear fruit in accordance with the work that you're doing in us, God. To learn to walk with you in every part of our lives, in peace and joy, to have the new wine poured into us that we might expand with you. And I pray that you would use uh, this, this word in each of our lives as individuals, in our, in our households, and ultimately in our church, Lord, that we might love you and love each other well in the coming days that we might have something to share with one another from your word or from your presence and your voice speaking to us that we learn to hear you and follow after you in ways we never even thought were possible so lord we, we, we do pray that you'd make us more like jesus that we would abide in your vineyard and that we would learn learn the secret which is to be friends with jesus is to, to abide with him and then he bears the fruit in our lives i pray this in jesus name